Welcome to Kaya, the college and young adult ministry of Midtown Baptist Temple, a ministry seeking to pursue a deeper faith in Jesus Christ through God's Word, fellowship, and prayer. Good to see uh, people are, are coming out of their, of their hiding places and sneaking back into service. It's good to see each week. It seems like there's more and more people. Um, encourage your friends. If they're, if they're saying, should I or should I not come, uh, you know, don't pressure them, but let them know that we're doing everything we can to make sure that this is a safe place to worship. Um, and there is overflow as well. So once the sanctuary gets uh, filled, uh, there are places elsewhere in the building where people can hang out and uh, listen to the message. Um, so we've been in Acts chapter 16, so go ahead and turn there and get your, your mind fixed and prepared. Uh, in Acts chapter 16, um, we are seeing just the very beginning of a, Paul's second missionary journey. It's Paul and it's Silas, and now, as we talked about last time, uh, Timothy as well. Timothy has joined up, and we talked last time we were together about all the risks necessary uh, all the risks that were, that were assessed and determined worth uh, moving forward in. Timothy had to take risks in order to follow Paul. All right, that's very clear. Paul was kind of a dangerous man. I'm getting, I'm getting a little bit of feedback. Can you guys hear that? It's clicking on me. Um, and and so, so Timothy recognized that following Jesus Christ with his life as a disciple was worth it and that he was going to move forward and, and, and go on the mission with Paul. Now, Paul had to count the cost as well. There were risks associated with bringing Timothy along with him. Timothy was young uh, and in some ways certainly immature. And in the past, when Paul had brought John Mark along, who was also young and immature, that didn't work out real well, and it put the mission at risk. And so there was all of these risks that everyone had to take, but ultimately what, what people did is they landed on faith. Okay, they believed in the mission of Jesus Christ. They believed in discipleship. They believed in what God had called them to do, and they moved forward in faith. Now, we, last week we talked about learning to take risks. This week we're going to talk about learning how to listen to God. Okay, learning how to listen to God. Listen to God's plan for our lives specifically. Now, listening is difficult. Tad, are you coming up here? Is this a common thing now? Is it each week that Tad's got to correct something? Okay, so it's more I cumbersome. That's <laughs> right. That's going to fix it? We need some upgrades, don't we? Is that what's happening? I'll advocate for you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I don't, know, I don't know about you, but, but my listening abilities have been challenged. Some of you probably uh, have, have maybe grown better at listening over the COVID isolation thing. But I've been at home with my kids and, I'm, and it, so during the day, I'm answering text messages from y'all, I'm answering emails, and I feel like I'm under a lot, of, a, a lot of pressure, a lot of fire to both balance my responsibilities as a father who's teaching their kids math every day uh, through Google Classroom and all of these videos that are coming in. It fits, it's like a barrage of, of lessons that I have to teach my kids every single day. Uh, we've got one more week of school, so hopefully, hopefully things will subside after that. But then also balance my responsibilities here at church. And one of the things that has been, has been really challenging for me personally is figuring out how to listen to my kids in the midst of work. You know, if I'm answering the emails and I'm answering the text messages, um, Clementine does this thing. And if you guys know Clementine, she's my strong-willed child, okay? She doesn't know Christ yet, so that adds to the, to the 
you know, to the issues. But she will stand next to me and she'll say, Daddy, 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 Daddy. And she'll go on and on like that until, until she gets my attention. And she knows there's this rule, like if I'm in the middle of, of something, if I'm in a phone call, or I've got the phone in my hand, I, like I'm trying to teach her, like daddy's in the middle of something, you're going to have to be patient. She'll like grab my hand. Do you, you don't know what this is like when a child grabs your hand with your $500 phone in your hand. And like, I'm like, whoa, 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 chill. Now, she doesn't need to be demanding like that, right? Obviously, there are problems with her incessant, you know, uh, you know demands. But, but I'm also learning that it's my responsibility as a loving father to stop and to listen, to hit pause. And, and it doesn't matter how trivial it is, whatever it is that she wants to talk about, it's usually, it's usually nothing very important, okay? But I need to learn to stop and to listen to my daughter because I love her. And, and I actually do desire to hear her. Now, what I'm saying is that it's hard to listen sometimes. And in our world where, where communication is almost seamless, it's like we've been trained to not listen. And it, and it becomes really easy to get tunnel vision and be, and be unaware of, 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 of what's being said. And, and here's the thing that I want to warn you about, is that because of that, I think that we are particularly at a disadvantage as it concerns listening to God. In other words, our tunnel vision as a society, as a culture, as a generation of people, our tunnel vision has actually kept us from looking at Christ when he's calling our name. And it becomes particularly difficult for us to pause and to meditate and to listen and to hear the voice of God and maybe even discern when it is actually his voice that's speaking. And so what I want to speak to today is our ability to listen to the voice of God, especially as it concerns his plan for our life. Can I pray? Let's pray, and then we'll get into it. All right? Dear Heavenly Father, uh, I love you, and I recognize that for me it is hard to listen sometimes, that I get so busy with life that I don't necessarily always take the, the, the time to listen for your voice, or sometimes maybe I even forget how to hear your voice. And, and you say that your sheep will know your voice, the voice of the good shepherd. But, but when your sheep are wayward, or when your sheep are distracted, I think that sometimes your voice is particularly distant in our ears. And so God, I pray today that we would learn again, learn afresh, or maybe even for the first time for some of, some of us, what it means to listen to your plan and to hear for you and to be patient for when that voice does arise and speak out, Lord, will, be, will we be ready to hear it and to respond in, respond in obedience, Lord? I'm asking for your help today. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So Acts 6, 6 through 10, we're gonna read this here in a moment, but, but we're talking about how to listen for God's plan for our life. Now, before Paul could ever be prepared to listen to God's voice, Paul had to recognize that no matter what, he was, he was going to obey the voice that he heard. In other words, before you can ever ask yourself, okay, God, what's your plan for my life, or, or how do I move forward, or how do I even know how to listen to you, before we ever get to that place, there's something very important that we need to determine, 
And that is that when we do hear the voice of God, we are going to be obedient to what he says. That's the first thing that we have to recognize. So, so Paul is on his second missionary journey. And what we're going to learn here in a moment is that, that God changes his direction several times, right? That, that, that Paul has a plan. Paul has an agenda. He's going out with this agenda in mind. And there's going to be a moment here where God says, no, your plan isn't going to work for me. And we're going to switch gears here. All right, we're going to switch gears. We're going to do things my way. Now, that agenda that Paul started out with was predicated on the fact that he already knew and had already determined to live according to God's will. Paul had long ago on the road of Damascus determined that whatever God called him to do, he was going to obey it. Let's look at that story real quick. Acts 9.3 says, and as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. This is the conversion story of Paul. This is the first time Paul ever encounters Jesus Christ. And suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Now listen very carefully. And Paul's, he's astonished here. He's trembling and he's astonished. And he says, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, arise and go into that city and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Now listen to me. This is the, this is the very important point that we have to understand. Is that from the very beginning of Paul's relationship with Jesus Christ, he had already determined in his heart that what that would mean is that whatever Jesus Christ asked him to do, he would do it. He would do it. So many Christians today wonder why they can't get clarity for their lives. Why the, pa uh, the path they are on seems so unsure. Why they can't hear the voice of God. This is, I mean, I think this is, in every generation, there have been believers that have struggled with the idea that I can't, I can't hear God's plan for my life. I don't know how to proceed. I don't know how to deal with this issue in my life. I don't know how to deal with these relationships. There's all these questions that I have about what Christ wants for my life. And they ask all of these questions, but the problem is they haven't first determined that whatever Christ says for their life, they're going to obey it. And that perhaps the absence of God's voice has everything to do with the fact that they have not yet obeyed the simple things that Christ has already called them to obey. So many of us want the details of how our life is going to work out before we are willing to take risks associated with simple obedience. So here's our key point. Key point number one. If you desire to hear from God, then you must first be determined to obey him. I don't think there's anybody in this room that would say, I don't desire to hear from God. I think everybody is here for the very reason that they desire to hear from God. But here's the deal. Maybe the silence of God's voice in your life has something to do with the, the fact that you haven't already determined that whatever he says, you're going to obey it. Maybe there's an obedience issue in your heart. If you can't obey God's word, then what makes you think that he has any interest in entrusting you with more? What makes you think that, that, that Christ would have any interest in entrusting you with more insight, okay, with the, with the path to proceed forward, 
with the details that you're so concerned about, the things that you're so obsessed about, what makes you think he would entrust you with those details? If you haven't yet taken his word seriously for what it says, if you can't take the Great Commission seriously, if you can't take loving your brothers and sisters in Christ seriously, if you can't take unity seriously, if you can't take simple truths, the truths that you find in our Discipleship One lessons, if you can't take those things seriously, then what makes you think he's going to unfold some, some other details to you? What interest does God have in revealing more to the servant who hasn't obeyed the simple truths, truths that they already have? Yeah? If you're agreeing. I don't usually ask for an amen, but things are so sparse this morning. A little amen here or there might, might be good. So first of all, Paul has determined in his heart that no matter what, he's going to obey. The second thing is that Paul's made a plan. He's made a plan based upon what he knows. So here we are in Paul's second missionary journey, and he's got an agenda in mind. He's got a plan. He's, he's, he's laid out a strategy to move forward because he knows what God has called him to do. He's very sure in that. Acts 16, verse 6 says, Now, when they had gone throughout Phrygia, now we know he's already been to Derby and Iconium. He's been traveling through Galatia. And his, his heart and his mind is to go to Asia. That's his objective. Now, he's eventually going to get that done. But what he runs into is a roadblock here of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit says, hold up, hold up. That's not what we're doing. Okay, but he's got a plan. So he's gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia. And we're forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. And they were come to Mysia. That was his backup plan. They essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. So the next thing we need to know is that Paul had a plan. Paul had a plan to go and visit the churches that he had established, right? That's what he already did. He visited those churches that he already established, but then he wanted to go out and he wanted to reach other regions in Asia. That was his objective, right? That was his plan for the great commission in his life to be lived out. He had a plan, and this was a plan that he was content with. One that seemed to be in accordance with God's will and God's word. And in fact, his plan was absolutely glorifying to God. It honored God's name. Paul, Silas, and Timothy are doing exactly what God had asked them to do. And they're committed to obeying in that way. But listen, the truth is, a person without a plan is a person without a future. In other words... A lot of us get hung up on this idea that we can't proceed forward without the details, right? And so what it does is it suspends us and keeping us from obeying the simple things that we already know to obey. Okay, so what I'm, what I'm saying is, is that I think and I believe that Paul's testimony here tells us that even when we don't have the details worked out, we obey at the level that we know how to obey, in other words, Paul had been called to live out the Great Commission. And so in his mind, without further detail, he was going to go ahead and move forward with doing that. And Asia seemed like the next best place to go after visiting Derby and Lystra. That just seemed like the right thing to do. And so he moved forward with that plan. God is asking us to make informed decisions about our lives based on the supremacy of his mission in our heart. He's asking us to do that. 
Listen, you probably aren't ever going to do anything at all if you aren't willing to move forward with what you already know. You're probably not going to do anything. You're probably not going to get anything done at all if you're not first willing to move forward with what you know. Uh, a long time ago, I don't know how old I was. I don't know. Some, some point back in the checkpoint days, I remember hearing Alan Shelby preach and, and use this illustration, and it's resonated with me forever. It's impossible to steer a parked car. All right, think about that for a minute. If the car is not proceeding forward, there is no steering. Have you ever tried to steer a parked car? Right? If the car isn't moving forward, then steering becomes almost impossible. Now listen to me. The point of that is this. You need to move forward with what you know God has for you already. And as you move forward in faith, let him steer the way. Let him steer the way. Here's our key point. Discovering God's unfolding plan for your life begins with obeying what is already unfolded. What you're learning from this book every single day is what you know, correct? I mean, you're limited by exactly what you learn in this book every single day. Everybody's at different stages of their walk. Every, everybody is in different places of their maturity. What God is asking you to do at any given moment has everything to do with what you know right now from God's word. You obey that exactly as you should. And as you hit the gas and as you move forward in faith, then he will steer you as he sees fit. But you got to have a plan. What's your plan? What's your plan for reaching the world right now, today? Because you know that that's what God wants you to do. He wants you to live out the Great Commission, just as Paul did. He, he wants you to move forward in faith. He wants you to obey him. He wants you to, to live in unity with the body of Christ. And he wants you to live out the Great Commission. That's what he has for you. What are you doing to make sure that that happens? What are you doing? What's your strategy for obeying? What's your plan? And without further detail, work that plan. You know, back in the day... I, you guys, most of you are probably too young to, to know this, but back in the day when you'd go on a road trip, what you'd do is you'd go to MapQuest. I don't even know if MapQuest even exists anymore, but it does. Okay, so you'd go to MapQuest and you would print out the directions to wherever it is that you'd go. And so you would read them. This was like, this was like the update on like those old-fashioned maps that like you see like in the movies where a guy's got a big, a dad's got a map. And the car has like got all of the vacation stuff on it. It's like a station wagon. And he's got the map spread out across the steering wheel. And he's trying to drive. Okay, so this is MapQuest. This was the answer to the, to the giant map where you're following these tiny lines. And so you'd have the directions printed out. And you basically have to know like the next 10 steps ahead of you before you, got, you could possibly get to where you needed to go. And it was like, it was cumbersome. It was difficult. It was painful. Um, it was a nightmare. I, I, I get lost all the time. Now, listen to me. Now I have this, okay? I have this. This was, I would have never bought this. This was a gift for me from a very, very dear friend, okay? I would have never bought this on my own, but now that I have it, I will never go back. <laughs> the, this thing, when I'm driving, it tells me. I don't have to look at my phone. I don't have to be distracted. I put the, I put the place that I'm going into my phone and then as I'm driving, this thing literally clicks to tell me, it gives me a little, this is where you turn. It tells me. And all I have to know is that it's time for me to drive. And it steers me where it wants me to go. It tells me at every given, I just move forward in faith. And at every given moment, at every 
I don't have to know the next 10 turns. It tells me, okay, now turn right. You're 100 yards, now turn right. And then I obey that command. Why? Because it knows better than me. Because I'm going to get lost. Now listen to me. Is your faith such that you're willing to move forward, knowing that as you go forward, as you put your foot to the gas, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, his Holy Spirit, is going to, to lead you and guide you each time you need to turn left or right. That the details will come to you. That they'll unfold in faith. You know, God always begins with what we know and moves us toward what we don't know. And Abraham is a perfect example, example for this. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 8 says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. In other words, God, God called upon Abraham and he said, Come out among those people and go that direction. I got a plan for you. And without any further detail, I mean, I don't know if you've read the story. We, we went over it a little bit when we were in Romans. But, but without any more details than that, Abraham left his kinsmen and went out and pursued what God had for his life. He didn't even know which direction he was going. West. Go west. And he obeyed in faith. And God's plan was, was wrought in his life. It worked itself out. Are you willing to do that? Do you have faith like that? If his will, okay, this rhymes, I apologize. Are you ready? This rhymes. If his will is our own, then his plan will be known. Okay, oh, I heard some girls say that. Thank you. If his will, if his will for our life like, if this, when I say will, I mean this. If his will for our life is, is, our, is our own, in other words, if we own it, well, then his plan will be known. And we don't need to get tripped up on that. But here's the deal. You've got to be ready as a determined believer, as a person with a plan, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you also have to be ready when those plans change. When that plan you put in place, that well-orchestrated plan, you know, that, that plan to move forward, when that plan changes, you've got to be okay with it. Verse 8 says, And they, passing by Mysia, came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. And there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. Now listen to me. Listen to his response. And after he had seen the vision, immediately... We endeavored to go into Macedonia assuredly, gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Oh, you want me to go that way? Oh, thank you for the information. I'm headed that way. In other words, he doesn't get tripped up on the fact that his plan doesn't work out. Now, are you flexible in that way? Are you adaptable in that way? When, when the plan does get changed, are you willing to allow that to happen? You know, so many of us believe that we have failed the minute our plans unexpectedly change. We're convinced that that means failure because it feels unsafe when our plans change. Do you know what I'm talking about? You've got a plan for your life, whatever it is, your college plans, your marriage plans, your, you know, whatever it might be, just feeling like your ministry plans, right? The things that you have, the, your ideal, the thing that's set in your mind, the thing that you've been moving forward in, 
So many of us find that when, when that thing changes, suddenly things feel rocky and unsafe, and, and, and I've failed. How have I failed? How do I fix this? And then we go about, about trying to mend our plans and get them back in accordance with what we imagine they should be. And you don't even know it, believer, but you're fighting against God. As we learn how to live his will, as our life unfolds in different circumstances and situations, then he reveals to us how to move forward according to his plan. He changes our plans. He alters our direction. And that is ultimately good for us. Psalms 37, 23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. When your steps get reordered, do you delight in that way? Key point number three. Altered plans doesn't mean we are failing. It means that God is succeeding. Altered plans doesn't mean we are failing. It means that God is succeeding. It means that his plan is being worked out in our lives. We have to grow used to the idea that just as Paul's plans were drastically altered and he was flexible enough to adapt, we have to learn not to be heartbroken when things don't work out. Because things aren't going to work out. Your plans are going to get messed up. And in our overly safe society, I mean, we're going to be tempted. We're going to be tempted to feel like nothing has gone right. We're going to hide in our basement and try to reorchestrate our plans so that we can get back on track. What if that's not where God has you? And what if success means just saying, okay, I'll go away. I didn't know I was going to go. Then lastly, we need to learn to listen. We need to learn to listen. So what about the voice of God? I mean, when he actually speaks to you, when he actually is giving you the plan, are you ready to hear it? Are you actually prepared to listen? Key point number four before we go down this road, God's plan for our lives is revealed through the leadership or the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's how it comes. That's how it comes. You know, so few of us understand what that means, though. Right? I mean, so for, it doesn't matter how many times we hear the doctrine of the Holy Spirit and we, and we begin to understand that, that portion of the Godhead. A lot of us still equate the Holy Spirit with just abstract ideas and feelings. Right? You know, so few of us understand what it means the Holy, uh, to follow the Holy Spirit. Some of us are going to have to reframe the way we see the Holy Spirit. Or maybe we don't have a frame of reference at all. We've got skewed ideas, non-biblical ideas about what it means to be led by the Spirit. So listen to me. I'm going to keep it real simple for you. You ready? Listening to the Spirit begins with establishing an intimate relationship with God. That's how it starts. You, know, you, you say, well, what does it mean to follow the Spirit? No, you're getting ahead of yourself. The Spirit is telling you to know God's Word. Know God's Word, and then you'll know how He speaks and you'll know the tone and the tenor of his voice. You won't be confused. Be in intimate relationship with Jesus Christ because intimate relationship with God, Paul was able to hear and discern exactly what God was saying and where he was leading. He had an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. If you don't have a relationship with God, how will you know the sound of his voice? How will you discern his voice from all the other voices, all the other influence. How will you know? 
Check, check this out. This is really good. Check this out. In 1 Thessalonians, listen to what Paul says in chapter 2, verse 17. But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. So, so listen to me. What Paul's saying to the Thessalonians is, look, guys, I really want to come see you. I want to come edify you. I want to be with you. I love you. That, that's what my plan is. Just like going to Asia. This is my plan. I have a plan. Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. Okay, listen to me. This is what I want to say. Is that whether hindered by God to go into Asia or whether hindered to go visit the, uh, the Thessalonians, Paul knew the difference between the voices that he heard. He could discern the difference between God's spirit and the hindrance of God and the voice of God and the leading of God. And then when Satan was keeping him or hindering him, he could tell, he could discern the voices. Can you discern the voices? Some of us don't necessarily know the difference. Some of us don't know the difference between what we feel and what God's saying. Some of us don't know the difference between the influence of our friends and family and what God is actually saying into our lives. And we get those voices confused. And the reason that we get those voices confused ultimately is because we don't have an intimate relationship in God's word. We don't, have, we don't even have the platform necessary for the leading to come. So few Christians know God and his word at this level. So few Christians have the ability to discern in this way because they have such a poor relationship with Jesus Christ. Most of us are so unfamiliar with what God is doing in our lives that we find ourselves defying him constantly. Some of us without even knowing that we're doing it. You know, okay, so here's the deal. You're a believer, you follow Jesus Christ, you love him, you're a Christian. If you're not listening to God's voice and you can't discern his voice and you make decisions, you're putting God in a position where he has to force you to follow him. Like you're putting yourself in a position where you're open to chastisement. It's crucial that we learn his, his loving voice, that we, that we follow him as our good shepherd. We must learn to listen, and this is how we do it. First and foremost, we must carve out quiet space in our day. Very practical. We must carve out quiet space within our day. And, and again, the primary problem with listening is that we have so many things to distract us, and our quiet time is not actually quiet time. If you've got your phone in your hand and you're really willing to respond to a text message during your quiet time, it's not actually quiet time. How are you going to ever focus on the voice of God if you're not willing to sit with him and rest with him and listen to the voice that he's given you? We've got to carve out time and space to listen carefully to what he's saying. We must read the Bible. We must read the Bible. We, we must pour over it. We must know the character of God. We must be familiar with passages. We must memorize scripture. It must be written on our hearts. We must read the Bible. 
And so many of us are so poor at that. We want the voice of God. We want the details for our life. God, please just show me the way. How do I move forward in this way? And you haven't even spent any time in God's word knowing his voice. We must meditate on his words through prayer. Do you talk with him? Do you speak with him? Friendships go both ways. Friendships listen. Friendships speak. They commune together. Do you meditate over his word in prayer? Do you, do you call out to him? Do you share with him things that you wouldn't share with any other person? Look, there are certain things that I say to God that I don't tell anybody. Because he's my best friend. Over my wife, over my peers, over the guys that I've known for 20 years in ministry, Jesus Christ is my best friend and I, my best friend, and I say things to him I wouldn't say to anyone else. This is what intimacy looks like. Job 23, 11 says, My foot hath held his steps. His way have I kept and not declined. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. So listen, if you, here, here's the thing. If you want to know the way for your life, if you want to know the way, who doesn't want to know the way? You've got to learn to listen. And if you don't know how to listen, then it's time to be with God. It's time to be with God. It's time to take your quiet time seriously. There are some people in this room that would say that they meet with God and they justify that because they go to discipleship once a week. Or they go to Bible study once a week. Listen to me, that is not sufficient for an intimate relationship with God. Intimacy means there's things that I share with him that I don't share with other people. Good for you that you go to Bible study. There's an aspect for your relationship with God that it needs to be communal. But do you have a prayer closet? Do you have study time? Do you meditate on his word? Do you pray alone? Do you do those things? If you don't, you don't have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And you're always gonna be, be you're following God will always be contingent on what other people are gleaning from God's word. Shame on you. God has a word for me and he's got a word for you. And our paths aren't gonna look the same. Don't you wanna know what his path is? It's time to learn to listen. And, and, and as the worship team comes up and as we go into a season of worship, listen to me. Some of you need to come forward and you need to be honest before the Lord Maybe you need someone to come with you and you need someone to pray with or maybe you just need to take a moment to be honest with God by yourself and call upon him for help because you want to renew a relationship with Jesus Christ. He bled out and died for you that you might know him and be his friend. Don't neglect that. Don't waste that. You don't think he wants to give you your, a plan for your life? You don't think he wants to unfold things before you? You don't, want to, you don't think he wants to tell you which direction to turn? Of course he does but not if you're not willing to listen. It's time to learn to listen. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this time, and I thank you for the testimony of Paul. Lord, I'm so grateful uh, for how he listened to you because ultimately, him listening to you brought the gospel to Europe, which for me, that's, that's, that's my ancestry. Lord, that's where you would develop your church. 
Well, that's the place where men like, men like Wycliffe, men like Martin Luther, where, where generations of men stood up for your word, where the printing press was born, where my, where my Bible was replicated again and again, where, where people learned freedom of religion so much so that they came and planted a place here in America where they could, where they could worship freely. Not that, not that, what, that all, there's, there's all kinds of things that come with that plan, but Lord, you sent a man named Paul to Macedonia, and because you did, Europe was evangelized. Because he listened to you. Because he, because he could hear your voice when it called out. Because he didn't go to Asia right away. God, would we listen in such a way that you would optimize the fruitfulness of our lives the Lord, when we die, we can know that we followed your way for us in such a way that made us optimally fruitful, that maximized the value of our life and maximized our faith, that we could say that we didn't take turns to the left or to the right that were insufficient for your plan because we were listening. We didn't get distracted. We didn't turn to the left. We, we kept the path that you had for us. Lord, help us to listen. Help us to know you. Help us to be intimate with you so that when your voice calls out to us, we'll know it. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. We hope that today's message encouraged you to follow Christ in his word. For more information about Kaya, for service times and information about our disciple-making ministry, please visit our website at caya.live.